Hey there, I'm Krista Vance, entrepreneur and operations leader. And I'm Matt Vance, award-winning author and social innovation researcher. We're your hosts of the Culture Profit Podcast. Your place for purposeful company culture strategy. Learn from HR pros, executives, and thought leaders how to prioritize profits by prioritizing people. This episode is sponsored by Mobrium, the best friend of forward-thinking HR leaders, helping you strengthen your employer reputation as a reflection of your real culture. Learn more at Mobrium.com. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited. We have Rebecca Hilds here from Lincoln, England, and we had the chance to meet with her last week, and she was she has such a bright personality. As a workplace well-being specialist and executive coach, Rebecca Hill develops leaders to support and strengthen the well-being of their teams through company culture. She has worked with a range of businesses from medium-sized startups to global PLCs. Using her personal and professional experience, she applies a trauma-informed approach that promotes inclusivity and creates cultures that sustain productivity through sustainable employee well-being. Thanks for being here with us, Rebecca. Thank you. That introduction made me sound really special. <laughs> you are. Right? Just uh, on our call last week, it was awesome to hear a little bit about what you're doing, and we're pumped to have you here. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for you know creating time or making the time um, you know for this because I think it's super important. The more people that we can reach talking about what we're talking about, I think the better. Exactly. Definitely. And before we kind of jump into the conversation today, everyone needs to know and hear a little bit about Rebecca's awesome organization. It's called More Than Nutrition. More Than Nutrition is a corporate coaching and training company offering one-on-one -on -one coaching, workshops, and training for people leaders and teams. With a wide array of topics available, More Than Nutrition aims to support the body and mind promote healthy lifestyles and build engaging workplaces. So mm -hmm. Rebecca is essentially your person to help level up the company culture in your workplace. And we're excited to, to chat today. So just to kind of kick things off, tell us why you're in the company culture business. Yeah, so there is a story. I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible, um, but I, uh, so my backstory is actually, I started out as a, as a teacher and then went over into educational leadership. Um, but behind the scenes, I was struggling um, with an eating disorder, uh, with domestic abuse. And whilst from the outside looking in, I seemed to be, you know, really successful, seemed to be happy, seemed to be, you know, doing what everyone does in life, you know, but I was really struggling and, you know, working 24 seven to try and avoid, I suppose, all of the issues that were really going on. Um, but then I kind of, to be honest, hit breaking point um, after I had my second son and had really experienced really bad postnatal depression, um, which, you know, combined with the, with the burnout that I was experiencing, with the domestic abuse, with the eating disorder, it was just like, hang on a minute here, something's got to give. So I decided that I wanted to, to work for myself, to set up my own business, to really find myself again, if I'm honest, because actually that's what has happened since I started the business. It has helped me to grow and find myself again. 
And the business has evolved with me in that respect. So when I first started out, I retrained in nutrition, as you can imagine, you know, um, with my eating disorder history, with the trauma I experienced as a child, um, you know, really wanted to help people that were suffering with their relationship with food, that had been conditioned to think that they've got to fit into this, you know, this, I suppose, ideal, unrealistic image of, of what we should all be looking at, you know, this, this thin ideal that really destroys our relationship with our body as well as our relationship with food. So I felt really passionate about that. Still do, of course. So I started the business focusing on that and then very quickly started to obviously work with people across other areas because it does, you know, you can't, if you're working with somebody on healing their relationship with food, you're going to be looking at well-being in the widest sense because it impacts everything. And then over time, I was, I was working with leaders, I was working with business owners, I was working with CEOs who then, you know, really, really benefited from the results that they were getting working with me. So they asked me to go in and work with their organizations and kind of more than nutrition evolved from, from there. So it was, you know, me work, going into organizations, really working with employees and seeing, you know, seeing that bigger picture of, of how well-being can really impact culture and, and obviously business outcomes. But interestingly, um, you know, through that work, I kind of made the connection between what I was doing and, and, and what I'd been doing in, in leadership and education and really realizing that it needed to come from the top down, which is now why I'm not just going in and working with employees, I'm working with whole organizations, I'm working with leadership teams, I'm working on really instilling this, this culture of well-being that in the end gives everybody what it is that they want, happiness, profitability, you know, engagement, you know, it's just... That sounds so simple when you when you think about it, but it's not that simple when you put it into practice. Thank you for sharing all that. And I know you're very open about your past and it really does fuel what you're doing now. It, it provides a lot of meaning for, for you and for the people that you're working with. Very inspirational. I, you know, <laughs> I think sometimes we separate work life and the rest of our life and say that there's like kind of this line in between, but we're all people and all those things that happen to people on a daily basis that are, you know, happy and sad and challenging and, you know, frustrating, they, that those feelings, those emotions, those experiences, they, they can roll into the workplace as well. And so it, not um, paying attention to those things and acknowledging them is, is just not realistic. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's about, <laughs> obviously we all need to find that work-life balance but it's also about how because one the biggest thing for me is recognizing the conditioning that you bring into the workplace so like I said you know when I was experiencing what I was experiencing at home I felt like you know my my way to prove myself to show that I was worthy was to throw myself into work and lead myself into you know into burnout and you know and I'm really experiencing poor mental health and I think sometimes we've got to and, and again you can't that conditioning isn't just about you know trying to show your worth through work it, it kind of then it then impacts on your behaviors when it, your behaviors around food your behaviors with yourself your behaviors you know when you're looking at yourself in the mirror all of this has a huge impact then on how you show up at work so it's it's a spider's web you know, it, it really, really is. And I think that's one of the things that I think has, has attracted a lot of the clients that I'm working with is kind of my holistic approach. 
um, you know, whilst I think there's, you know, we need to be clear on where we're going and, and, and everybody needs to know what their outcomes are, etc. It's also about recognizing that the journey, the journey, the leadership journey, the business journey, the personal journey, it's dynamic, you know, and we've always got to bear that in mind. And we've got to make sure that we are checking in with ourselves and staying present and being in the moment along the way. I love that holistic approach because I think as soon as you neglect anything that affects us in our personal lives, you're, you're, it, it affects the other things. Everything affects everything, right? Our nutrition can affect the, our bodies as a whole and it can affect our work productivity and the way that we feel at work and interact with others can make us have a harder time with our physical health, right? And so they all impact each other. And I love the way that you approach that with companies. Um, and also, I, I just think it's so interesting with your business. I mean, you're going to these companies, you're showing them a better way to help help them have just a great company culture, but really improving the lives of the individuals there. And I'm sure you have to have a bottom line that shows these companies like this is worth the money that you're going to put into, you know, to really make this better for your um, for your employees. And that's what this podcast is all about, which brings us to our main question. How does company culture drive profits? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's obviously, you know, why people are employing me and why people want to work with me. And I think. The one thing that I really want to say here is that, you know, the employee experience, how we're treating our people is one of the strongest predictors, I suppose, of, um, you know, business results. So when you're investing, when you're investing in your culture, your business is fundamentally going to be more profitable because, you know, you're, you're putting your people at the center, you're putting your people first because, this is one thing that I always encourage. Sorry, going off a little bit on, uh, on a tangent, but I always encourage to organize organizations to think about relationships before they think about hierarchies, because when we are creating a sense of belonging in the workplace, we're creating high trust cultures. You know, we're creating workplaces where there are higher retention rates. You know, people don't want to leave. And if people don't want to leave, you're saving how much money, you know, yeah. From, from you know from not having to go through the recruitment post process and everything and I think and the research is there there's so many studies that I could you know there are so many studies there's so much research that shows that when people are recognizing their their teams when 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 companies are great places to work you know their their turnover is is lower than that of their peers and I think it was something like um, I think it's the Fortune 100 best companies are experiencing half the turnover of, of their peers, you know, so, so the evidence is there to show how focusing on cultures is having an impact on, on the bottom line. And not only is it not only when it comes to retention, but also when it comes to burnout. So this is a, a huge focus in the leadership programs that I do is, um, you know, I also not only do I look at wellbeing strategy, leadership training we also look at burnout prevention strategies because they're, they're you know they're different they are different they should be a standalone um when it comes to well-being and the thing is is that you know when i think it's is it something like 500 i mean and again this, this figure might um might have changed from you know from when i last looked at it but it's something like workplace stress is costing americans you know or costing the us 500 billion pound a year you know, so again, if you are focusing on culture, you're avoiding burnout, you're, um, you know, you're not having to 
you know, you're not wasting or you're not hemorrhaging all that money, I suppose, on people going off and, and people suffering from stress. And, you know, people aren't, you know, the pandemic is interesting because research has shown as well that on the back of the pandemic, even though there has been such, you know, so much buzz around well-being, people are still not healthy people are, are less healthy uh, you know and at best are as healthy as they were before the pandemic so whilst there is this drive to look at well-being which hopefully we're going to talk about as we, as we go on i think that we're not doing it necessarily in the right way you know we're not employees don't don't need nutrition workshops they don't need um you know mindfulness workshops they don't need to talk about work you know work-life balance if the culture isn't right Okay, because if the culture isn't right, then that that, that, that all of that is, is going to fall short. Okay, sorry, I'm no, I'm going off on a lot of tangents. I like to talk a lot, um, but you know, I think also as well, when you are focusing on cultures, you tend to innovate faster. Because let's talk about psychological safety, right? If we've got psychological safety within an organisation, your people are going to take risks. OK, and when they take risks, that's when they're going to, you know, that's when they're going to be their most creative. That's when they're going to be their most innovative. And of course, this is only going to, you know, it's going to drive profitability if people are being more innovative. So invest in your culture, invest in creating a psychologically safe environment and your business is going to thrive. Um, you know, there is also research to show that um, businesses that focus on culture, they rebound faster for in, in at times of recession and i think one point i really want to make here as well is that profits don't create great workplaces it's the other way around you create a great workplace you create a great culture and therefore you're going to you know increase profitability um so yeah sorry i don't know if i've answered that question and gone off on too many tangents but you know i think everything when you talk about workplace culture you know it all you know, it all links to a happier workplace where people are more profitable and people are, you know, just feeling like they belong. Uh, that's amazing, Rebecca. And what I'm hearing from you, and I 100% agree with this, is you have to pay attention to the order of operations. Yes. It's people before profits. Yes. You, you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We as humans have levels of needs that stack upon each other like safety is at the very bottom right like if you don't have that safety need fulfilled if you if you can't have food and water and air nothing else matters right because life is over pretty quick but once that is checked then you start you level up to the next consideration and and needing to have that safety and security and so when you talk about psychological safety as almost a prerequisite to unlocking innovation, unlocking creativity and that environment where it's okay to mess up because there's trust built into those relationships with the across a team and with the leadership. Those things, it, it is an, an order of operations. And I absolutely loved how you said profits does, doesn't create a good culture, but it's it's the other way around. That is, you, you nailed it. And I 100% I agree. And I think as well, one thing I, I, I want to say is that I think people are recognizing, people are understanding that, you know, workplaces where people feel belong, like they belong, where there is psychological safety, you know, we, we, we know that it has positive impact. 
but I'm still going into organizations that say they have this psychological safety and it's still not there. I'm still going into organizations where I go, yeah, the culture's great, yet they still don't feel they can share certain things in workshops. They still don't feel that they can be, you know, in coaching sessions, I'm still hearing, well, I, I don't really want to say this because I don't want to be, you know, vilified. I don't want people to think badly of me. I don't want, you know, to, to lose my place within the team. And that, that you know, that in itself, is you know it's highlighting i guess that there really is work that needs to be done and um yeah yeah so i think there is still even in the businesses and the organizations that recognize the importance it's it's not it's, it's not it's not there you know and i think one of the i just wanted to touch on um i can't remember the exact you know but the you know the nasa spaceship um oh what was it called that that um Apollo yes and it, this was this was yeah I know sorry um this was the um perfect example of how you know psychological safety is important because I think you know from from the you know after after the 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 accident happened um they found out that this it wasn't necessarily there was a technical fault but fundamentally it came down to the fact that people there was a lack of communication there was a lack of safety at NASA um, and that meant that people weren't, people were scared to say, hey, hang on, on a minute, this needs to happen. Or, you know, and so that that is a fundamentally, it was the lack of psychological safety that led to, you know, that fatal incident. And I think what NASA learned from that, you know, and I think it's, it's quite famous. I can't remember the exact details. I've talked about it in training, but it's been such a while since I have. But, you know, I think, you know, they had like roundtable discussions afterwards and they really worked on creating these relationships in the workplace, on creating a sense of belonging so that people could feel safe and able to air their views so that, you know, mistakes were less likely to happen. So people think, oh, you know, if I take a risk, I'm risking a mistake from happening. But actually, it's the opposite. You know, you're probably going to be preventing something from happening. And there was, yeah, and I think there's another example of Google. I think, I can't remember who, it was when, um, you know, it was at the early stages of um, of the search engine. And I, again, I, I can't believe I'm talking about this because I can't remember all the ins and outs. But there was there was Google and there was another organization at the time. I don't know if you'll know who they were, but um, they were kind of basically against each other to try and optimize the search engine, yeah? And I think the one of the organizations, the one, um, you know, was really kind of process driven. There was lots of hierarchies in place, whereas Google, there was much more organized chaos. Yeah. So I think the CEO of Google at the time, I think he he was like, you know, he'd, he'd have his team meetings and they'd, they'd seem like almost chaotic. But what happened was that he created this sense of the belonging, this 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 um, environment where everybody kind of you know felt safe to take risks felt safe to to go above and beyond and that's fundamentally how they ended up cracking the search engine um was was by creating that psychological safety yep that's where the innovation is is most likely to occur is when <clears throat> you have that trust built in and you know the apollo example i i remember hearing that one as well it's you know sometimes it takes something so big to occur to kind of ignite this almost investigation of like well why did this happen and it, and it creates a discovery but what what you had said about you know the difference between maybe stated values and lived values within a company where a company has safety and trust and kindness written up on the wall but yet still team members don't feel like they can voice their opinions there there's a misalignment 
yes. in that workplace where those things, those attributes are stated, but not lived. And, and that's also something that we need to pay attention to is the misalignment that, that can happen in workplaces. And there's one more dimension that I also see, which is the difference in perceived cultures based on yes. showcased employee feedback that is shared online and online reviews in places like Glassdoor and Indeed and in the UK on Kanunu. Those, those pieces of information are shaping perceptions on the outside. And then you've got um, behavioral norms on the inside that are shaping behaviors and how people act and how people perceive an organization within the company. And so you really have to understand that there are certain like multiple facets of managing company culture and supporting people and individuals to, to do their best work and to, um, to unlock that creativity and, and support and trust. Yeah. So, yeah. Fundamentally though, it comes down to being human, I think. Definitely. And I did have another question, Rebecca. So you, you've helped a lot of companies through kind of, you know, this cultural transformation from nothing to just kind of, Hey, take us, meet us where we're at and figure out where we need to go next. And when we spoke last week, you talked about, first talking to leaders and they would give you, hey, this is what the team needs. This is what the team needs. And then you'd go talk to the team and they'd say, actually, we need this and this, not not that. So talk to us a little bit about going through that kind of discovery process and what have you found that employees truly need to do their best work? Yeah, so um, yeah. And I, I started to touch on that earlier actually um but didn't really kind of um elaborate so I'm, I'm pleased you've asked that but i think you know like i said to you before um you know the organizations that i were working with were asking me to go in and do you know do that sticking plaster stuff yeah do that stuff that we all know what well you know that we all think wellness um in the work you know wellness looks like but well-being and wellness are two different things and i think you know it you know so when I was going in and we were doing these workshops on nutrition, on, uh, you know, on, on better sleep, on mindfulness, employees were then, yeah, oh, that's okay. But when my workload is like this, when I feel like nobody's listening to me, when I feel like I've got no control over my workload, when I feel like I've got no relationship with anybody in the workplace, when I feel like my boss isn't listening to me, none, I can't do this. You know, I'm working on my fitness. I'm working. I know I need to eat better. But then I come to work and I'm stressed you know, stressed out, then, you know, and it's interesting because burnout has been now, it's, it's um, you know, World Health Organization have um, defined burnout as being a workplace phenomenon. So it's not something we should apply to outside life. You know, it's not something we should, we shouldn't talk about burnout as being a result of what's happening in our life. It's a result of unmanaged chronic stress in the workplace. So it's a we problem. So it's one thing equipping people with, knowledge around nutrition and, and, and movement and, and etc and, and how to manage their wellness but it's another thing actually creating that environment for to, that, that best supports that so basically you know teams were saying I actually need my leader to listen to me I need my leader to be empathetic I need my leader to be a little bit more honest and open and, and more vulnerable I need my leader to be a bit more humble yeah and so that's this is where kind of my program 
kind of grew, I think, because it was like, hold on a minute here. It's not about educating employees. There is a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But if the environment isn't right, if leaders don't have the skills or are not nurturing those skills that are going to support all of that education and knowledge and awareness, then it's going to fall short. And, you know, so that is really whenever I'm working with an organization and the leaders are like, you know, I want my team to be to be better, to be the best versions of themselves. I'm like, right, that's great. We can talk about doing some of that. We can talk about doing some of that education piece further down the line. But until I've trained your leadership team, until I've got them, you know, in a place where they are best supporting that for their employees, then it's pointless. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's one of the first places you start is with the leaders, getting them in a good place because they really have the most impact on the organization. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, I have I have a program that I tend to to kind of start with when I'm working with, with an organization, but I'm not going to sit here and say, right, I work with an organization, we do, 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 we do this, 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 because it, it's not how it works. You know, I go in and i will have a conversation with the leadership team um sometimes you know it's, it's quite easy they kind of you know very often they have got me in because they know that i'm about i'm I, you know there's something different about what i do it's not just about workshops and stuff there is a more holistic approach so i'll go in i'll have a conversation with the leadership team which usually then turns into a conversation with hr and we talk about you know i i, I talk to them about how important you know developing the leadership team is usually they can see the value in that and then, you know, to kind of get those quick wins in the early days, we kind of look at what their biggest pain point is. And I'll usually put some training in place for them to kind of tackle that whilst I'm getting to know, because usually when I'm working with an organization, I'll do leadership training, group leadership training, but then I'll also do one-to-one -one coaching. So it will take me a good two to three months, if I'm honest, to really understand what is going on in an organization. You know, because I can go in and I can do a workshop first off and I could come away thinking, oh, wow, they're brilliant. They're great. And then you start doing the coaching. It's like, actually, no, you know, this isn't really what's happening. So it can take me a while to really mold things, you know, so that they are having the biggest impact. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So, and then usually, you know, I have got a pro, you know, I've got. There are certain things, there are certain, you know, non-negotiables in what I do. I will always want to talk to an organization about, you know, how to create empathy, how to be more vulnerable, empathetic listening. I'll always educate them on burnout, what it really means, the signs to look for. But the rest of it depends on what's going on in the organization, what I pick up, what they tell me. So we'll do staff surveys, we'll do leadership surveys. But, you know, it's, it really is crafted towards the organization. So really, you approach the company and you customize what they need based on what they need, right? And so I think it, so it sounds like the discovery process is your process. Just talking to people, having the right questions and, and giving them an environment with you to feel comfortable enough to really share what's happening and what's working well and what the pain points are. Yeah. I mean, my, my ultimate aim is never to, you know, I want to make organize, I want to make leaders, you know, more aware, more in tune with themselves, you know, start listening to, because nine times out of 10, you know, when you get into it, because it, it, it takes time, it, it, again, you know, there, it, this isn't a quick fix. 
there's no point me going into an organization and only working with them for two or three months because it'll take two or three months for them to trust me. It'll take two or three months for them to really open up and not be like, oh, yeah, but we know all this, you know, because I'm not going into an organization and telling them anything that's rocket science, you know. Okay, I might be, you know, making a few light bulb moments, creating a few light bulb moments for them. But what I'm doing is I'm helping them to take action. I'm helping them to put things into place that, that they know deep down really need to happen. You know, so and, and it's the same. It was always the same when I was working with and even now when I am working with my one to one clients, because I still do do the nutrition with the one to one um, work. Not not as much of that, but I still do a little bit of that. It is about, you know, really getting people to to listen to themselves, to have more confidence in themselves, to become themselves. And this is the thing, you know, when we are creating those environments that are safe, leaders can be themselves and there is nothing more powerful than a leader who is leading from their authentic self, you know, because we lead, you know, from a place of who we are. And I think when we are getting so confused by, you know, 610 leadership models and this is what we've got, to, this process we've got to put in place, that process we've got to put in place. We need to be looking at profits before people. It just becomes so messy, you know, and there are some really great leaders out there that I feel are, are, not, are not shining because of the condition in the, you know, or the environment that they're in. You mentioned getting leaders to be more self-aware. I think that's so huge. I, I've seen that as a high topic in, you know, business books that I've read. It's being self-aware so that you can make an impact. And yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I think you've had a lot of, um, you've had these interviews with employees, with leaders at companies you have greater insight than most people. So what do you find it truly helps an employee thrive? Honestly, I think having two things, two things. The, the first one is, you know, having a leader, having, having, you know, somebody who just listens. And when I say listen, I don't just mean, you know, giving them 10 minutes or giving them half an hour to actively listen or even just seem to be listening i'm talking about listen listening from an empathetic place you know and you know really allowing a person you know just being heard and for a leader to be able to do that they need to be making sure that they're doing the work they need to have done the work and be continuing doing the work on themselves as well because if you're not if you're not being aware and mindful and checking in with yourself then you can't and you know you can't listen with empathy yeah, you can't strip everything back and just be present for a person. It's going in with no agenda. It's going in with with no sense of where it's going to go and just letting, you know, create is creating space. OK, I probably use a lot of words to explain what I'm trying to say there, but hopefully you get the sense of what I'm trying to say. Um, and the second one is relationships. And again, this this feeds from that. But I think, you know, there is so much evidence and research to show that when people feel that they have a friend at work, when people feel that they've got a relationship with somebody at work, they are more likely to stay. They are more likely to feel valued. They are more likely to be productive. They are more likely to be happy. OK, so I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, I mean, and don't get me wrong, there needs to be work-life balance. People need to have, you know, they need to have boundaries but you know those relate we, we are human at the end of the day okay and we are constantly you know looking to you, you know for that connection 
Okay, and if we're, if, we're, if we're trying to take that away, then we're not going to have happy, healthy work environments. 100%. And, you know, I, I would just echo that I have seen that as well as I've helped companies through this company culture transformation that you have to recognize that people are people. And you've got this business and you can't separate the two, that businesses are made up of people. It's not the inventory and the facility yes. and you know, the branding that is the business, all those things are facets associated with an organization, associated with a brand and a company. But if you take the people away, there's nothing left to move things forward. And we are emotional beings, right? And so we have to understand how people think and operate and taking the time to build trust so that work relationships can be efficient, that we can support one another and allow that creative freedom to to move things forward or, or even if there's not a process that requires creativity to trust that other individual that they'll get their job done right there those connections are made over time it's not like a computer that you just put in the code and then it works you have to start building those connections those human connections so that things can operate efficiently from person to person within within a company and i just have to say rebecca you you are an inspiration. We're so glad that you joined us here. Is there anything you, you want to share just before we wrap up? Any any final thoughts? One thing I wanted to, to say, I think, is that it's an analogy, um, really, that, you know, it takes a carpenter, it takes a builder, you know, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, a lot of skill to build a building, yeah? And that's how we should be thinking about creating cultures that are psychologically safe and that are you know that that foster that that sense of belonging you know they take time to be crafted but also what we've got to bear in mind is that it can just take one one thing to kind of knock that down it can take you know it, it doesn't take a lot of skill to to you know to destroy i suppose what has taken such so much effort and time to build and create. So I think we always need to be on our game. You know, we always need to be thinking about, and when we're talking about processes, we need processes in place. We need organizational justice, you know? However, we need to make sure that people are always at the center of, the, of that. Right, maintain the foundation, right? So <laughs> keep it, keep things going right from the bottom and, and, keep the safe environment that you're hoping to have for your employees. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Well, to our audience, check out Rebecca's website and follow her on LinkedIn for more tips and find you can find both in our highlight article. Thank you so much, Rebecca Hill, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know I like to talk a lot, but um, I've really, really appreciated the time and the conversation. We loved having you. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for tuning in to the Culture Profit Podcast and for being a part of our journey to prove that putting people first is best for business. Today's episode was sponsored by Mobrio. Want to get more employee reviews and streamline your employer reputation? Visit mobrium.com. Now go find one way to prioritize your people and watch your profits grow.